from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast. Oh, give me a home where the buffalo roam, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word. And the skies are not cloudy all day. It's a week on Friday, May 26, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this is a very special episode mm-hmm. being brought to you by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking more fun so you can focus on the whole experience, not just the final plate. Each week, HelloFresh creates new delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks short on time. HelloFresh sources the freshest ingredients measured to the exact quantities needed so there's no food waste. Uh, they employ two full-time registered dietitians on staff who, who review each recipe to ensure it's nutritionally balanced. And it tastes delicious. Yeah, I'll say this. We're out here in God's country, Montana. For sure. And everything we've eaten has been fresh from the... I ate uh, pepperoni sticks from a from a cow that came from... You know, that was living like, like days ago. from yeah. next door. And it made me realize how much I need fresh food in my life. So <laughs> you if you're like me and you only experience fresh food when you're in the hills of Montana and are eating fresh <laughs> killed <laughs> buffalo and, and you know, uh, a game that was walking earlier that morning, but you can't you can't be in Montana all the time. HelloFresh is a great solution. HelloFresh brings Montana freshness to, to your, your door. doorstep. There you hey, go. HelloFresh, yeah. you got a new, you have a new pitch right there. Yeah. 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 Montana you, fresh you to well. your door. You know what uh, I'm saying? Right now, HelloFresh is offering Relevant Podcast listeners a special offer. You can get $30 off your first week of deliveries by visiting HelloFresh.com and entering offer code RELEVANT30 when you subscribe. Do it. I, I got... you know They've been sponsoring the show yeah. for a while. I uh, received a box as part of the sponsorship, fell in love with it, and became a customer. I subscribe. Yeah. And, and literally every week now, Cohen and I have HelloFresh. And we go on the app and we pick out the next week's menu. And so cool. he gets to help speak so into cool. it. We made pizza the other day. It was It's awesome. I got so. a box coming pretty soon, too. There you go. I'm gonna, I want to join in your joy. Hello. Yeah. There you go. Hello, Fresh. Fresh. Like I said, I'm your host, Cameron, and this is a very special episode coming to you live from the middle of nowhere in Montana. So uh, nice. Here with me around our table is uh, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. Who is not in Virginia right now. No, I'm uh, right here, man. Propaganda is here with us. West, West. And, and joining us for a little bit of the show, we want to introduce you to the guy who made this all, all possible and invited us out here. His name is Brian Carpenter. Welcome, Brian. What's up, boys? You guys <laughs> looking real good. Yeah. I mean, Jesse, the, the beard thing is just like, I mean... My goodness. Jesse I, he decided to grow hat. a Montana beard. I did. Yeah. I've been working on this for, I don't know, like at least a week and a half now. It's and thick, and, uh, though, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's oh, thick. Yeah, it feels good. And it feels, you know, I was walking this morning from the cabins to the lodge, the last one to breakfast this morning. Did you, you put product in your hair this morning, didn't you? Uh, I, I, it's probably just grease uh, from uh, the night before. But I, uh, yeah, I was walking in like this windswept alley of like the mountain, you yeah. know, blowing me away. Brian said, hey, let me come pick you up because of the wind. I said, no, I got the beard. It's going to protect my face from everything yes. blowing off the country. I felt great. I, I, I understand. I saw you walking and it looked like an old Western. Yeah. Your face and, like, the wind was like whipping with Yeah, the exactly. There. I have, I have a wind. There's so much sand and dust in here right now, but it's great. I mean, the I, I just smell in the countryside. I, I've never thought I'd ever say that, but the wind is beautiful. 
beautiful. And if you listen closely, you can hear the sound of General Custard regretting his decision to underestimate Sitting Bull somewhere in the wind. You can hear it, him going, dang it. Prop, this prop keeps place. reminding us that we are on stolen land <laughs> as we This is my the job. No. This was the first thing I thought of when I landed but in think Montana. About it, where we're at, we're in the middle of the Crow Reservation. Yeah. We're yeah. not on stolen land. We're on the land that we threw Rent. them as chump change <laughs> as we took all the other land. That's, At least we're renting. Yeah. <laughs> At least we're renting from them. Yeah. Like, sorry guys. Hey, can I can I but I mean can I, I rent a few acres? Honestly, being out here in Montana, you really are actually reminded of the native people and, yeah. and kind of what they've been through. Yeah. Because you know, in other urban areas and things like that, it's not really something we interact with. But here we really are in the middle of a massive reservation, an yeah. hour and a half away from Billings, Montana. And it's beautiful. And there's no development out here. And I mean, it's it's because it's a protected yeah, land. It's theirs. It's, it's theirs. It's their land. Yeah. And we're on the river. Is the Bighorn River, Brian? Yeah, the Bighorn River. It's a majestic, beautiful place. It's, it's mystical up here, you know? It's, yeah. It's kind of still magical. And, and even as you kind of cross into the border, you know, I think space holds spirit. You know, Eugene yeah. Peterson talks a lot about land. You know, we don't really get that because here, you know, like, we're like... Let's flip houses. Yeah. Ten houses, you know, a year. We just flip them, flip them, flip them. Like land doesn't mean anything to us, you know. But even, you know, you go to Israel, like land's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah my, 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 my family's lived here for a thousand years. Right? Right. I mean, it's very, yeah. it means so much, you know. Yeah. So I think land still carries a spiritual nature that we miss sometimes. And like being out here is, is spiritual. It's, it's part of the, the magic of what happens here. It's definitely in, amazing. In space, yeah. You know? so, it's, yeah. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, the Bighorn River is an amazing place and, um, you know, kind of a, bucket list place for fly fishermen so yeah, yeah. Cool. which is clearly all of us yeah clearly exactly yeah. prop in the water yet we were in the water for 10 minutes and prop caught and prop prop's gonna be on the front cover of the next orvis magazine yeah you know, he I'm caught two he caught two in two minutes which is more than some people caught in like seven hours i don't i there. don't i was not gonna brag i was mess. not gonna hit he the stunt mess. button yeah. <laughs> However, I did catch two within ten minutes. Yeah. I'm just yeah, it was I'm pretty incredible. It's there, pretty, it's, uh, it's trout, pretty phenomenal. Like rainbow trout, brown trout, yeah. world yeah. class. It's amazing. Yeah. And we have a good thing to report if if you haven't figured this out yet. Uh, Jesse was not eaten by an elk yet. So good. No, but this is great. Got close. Yeah, I, cup, I, I I got spooked by some horses yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> like we legit. Save that. We're gonna save that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll save that. Yeah, but, they uh, smelled that greasy hair. And exactly. Like, mm. They 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 saw an easy meal. Uh, yeah, fresh kill. Yeah. Well, we have a, a great show in store for you. Uh, we're doing our best to do a normal show. So if yeah. this is your first time listening to our podcast, maybe go back and start with a different one. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do our best to uh, do a reasonable facsimile of a normal episode. Uh, some Montana. Will be sprinkled throughout, but coming up later, Damon Lindelof joins yeah. us. He's the mastermind behind the shows like uh, Lost mm. and right now The Leftovers, uh, which combine you know overt spiritual themes with kind of sci-fi and stuff. Uh, the Le- The Leftovers uh, series finale is actually I think this week. Yeah, it's is, coming up. So if it's not this week, it's coming yeah. up really soon. Yeah, we had him in the magazine in the last issue, and what you'll hear is um, a d- another part of that conversation. Yeah. that uh, you didn't see in the magazine. Um, also coming up later, we have a preview or an excerpt from our newest relevant podcast network show called the new activist, uh, which is in partnership with uh, IJM international justice mission. Yeah, and uh, Eddie is the host. Yeah, and is the debut uh, episode. He has Jenny Yang 
on, who's the head of activism at World Relief, uh, which is one of the nation's leading organizations resettling and helping refugees. Yeah. A uh, powerful conversation. Jenny's one of our heroes. She's oh, brilliant. So, yeah. She's I am like, I admire Jenny. Yeah. yeah. In so many She's ways. She's incredible. Yeah. So prop together and you got a real. We got to do, we got to, we got to sit on a few panel discussions. Um, and it was, I, I just, there's so, it's very, it's not often that you sit on a panel and you're like, guys, don't ask me any questions. Law them all to her, yeah. right. you know? And she, and she just, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I was like, I felt like I was in the audience even though I was sitting right next to her. And I'm like, man, just let this lady talk. She needs a session. Like, I'm yeah. just gonna sit down. And also, so and also coming up later, uh, Brady Toops, uh, mm-hmm. artist, Toops. singer, songwriter, Brady Toops, Toops is on the show. Uh, he's out here on the trip with us and he has a new album out. He just got off the road uh, doing a 20 city tour, needed a week of rest. So he's here with us in Montana. Uh, but we talked to him into getting the guitar out and playing us a song. And that comes up later on the show as well. So it's a packed show because normally we have like, I mean, it's maybe an hour of mm-hmm. like culture recap and slices mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. We're in Montana. <laughs> you know more about what's going on right what now than we say? do. Wi-Fi. Yeah, plus, you can, get, you can get that any week. Yeah, this right. is a special Jesse's week. Jesse's holding yeah. a Nike sock right now. Oh my, <laughs> <Yeah>. my gosh. <laughs> my podcast setup right now is a microphone with one of Cameron's socks on it, which he claims is clean and never worn. But I just want to let everyone know my mouth is directly on it. And uh, I hope he th- you have no choice but to throw this out. Or it's going to be weird for you knowing that something that is now on your foot was basically touching my mouth for an hour. I mean, Nike should be sponsoring this. Episode. I mean, this is like, I mean. <laughs> yeah. so definitely we, a thing. We uh, uh, well, the reason why we're out here is I've been coming for a few years now, and what Brian is doing quietly behind the scenes, it, I think, is an important work, and that's why I wanted to have jo- uh, Brian join us for a few minutes because um, he runs an organization called the Ref- Refuge Foundation. And um, what tell us the heart behind um, what you're doing here with Refuge. And it's just people, Cameron. You know, it's it's all about guys that are leading on the on the front lines, and in a lot of different ways. Uh, we we think a lot about kingdom influencers. You know, I think for a long time we thought about just pastors, and we're like, oh, it's all about pastors in the church because we love the church. And you know, being a pastor for a long time, I saw a lot of carnage in the church. And I think if you've been around the church for a while, you're like, yeah, I've seen that. Um, but the longer we've been doing this, it's all about people that have influence. I mean, this week alone, we got guys up here from Hollywood and L.A., Nashville. Yeah, you know. Um, just lots of different guys. You know, next week we got a bunch of guys coming from Central and South America. So it's all about rest. I mean, we live in a time and a space where there's no room for just getting rest and refueling. And one, one of the things we talk about all the time is we heal in relationship. You know, we rest in relationship. Yeah. So for me, like watching you guys, even the breakfast table this morning, like it was like a junior high girl sleepover up there this morning at breakfast. Like I know, I actually know. I'm like, that. okay, guys, like we, we were doing it going. Got and, things yeah. happening. <laughs> the pillow you know fights. I mean? like, yeah. But, but there was, that was healing taking place this yeah. morning. You know what I mean? It was I like, I was too. just watching them going like, Guys were just, they were leaning in. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't guys like, yeah, I don't care about you. Because the people that we serve, they naturally care about each other because they have an affinity for what they're doing as world changers. And and, uh, so being in a space like this, I think is really special and sacred and restful in itself. And then with other people, we rest the best that way. Otherwise, you know, when you're by yourself, I mean, don't leave Jesse alone by himself with no. his own mind he'll, and he'll his thoughts. Rogue. No, it's, yeah, uh, I mean, it's not, that's, dangerous that's work. things have happened, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's work right there. There's no rest in that. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we almost become a distraction from one another in a way. And, and I think, too, even just listening to some of the conversation with guys, I'm, I've heard some guys talking about some some things that are deep on their heart that I know they're not talking with a lot of people about. Yeah. Um, and then just our own, like, theological issues and challenges and things that are challenging me, you know, things that people yeah. say. And I'm always, I mean, every week I'm like, eh, I don't know if I'm there yet or, you know, I mean, there's just, it's just a beautiful thing. So I, Refuge is really all about taking care of leaders, keeping them in the game 
for another day. We can keep Cameron in the, in the game for another, another day, Jesse in the game for another day, Prop in the game for another day. Yeah, man. Then we did our job. I, you know? I was invited uh, three. This is my fourth trip out, and uh, I was invited the first time by you know a group of of church leaders that were coming, and I v- kind of knew one of the guys. And yeah. It was uh, the year I was going through my divorce, and he emailed me and he said, "Hey, I'm going out to Montana." There's no strings attached. Come with us. We're going to fly fish. We're going to shoot guns. We're just going to hang out. And I was like, I have done none of those things. And I was in a season of life where Bob Goff told me to say yes to stuff. And I uh, I said yes. And I showed up. I didn't know any of them. I didn't know Brian. I didn't know the ministry that they're doing. And the way that he and his team like served and just made us feel loved and cared for and welcome. And also like, you know, took us on adventures and like, you know, you, you get to jump off the cliff, yeah. you know, figuratively and literally. And, and, and it, it just like, it, something is freeing in that. And, yeah. and to really come up here without a gender for a week and be able to just, just rest. And, and Brian is amazing at like, you can, you can go full tilt. You could fish all day, every day. You could go do extreme things, or you could literally sit on the back porch overlooking the reservation mm-hmm. <laughs> and rest and read a book and do nothing. I mean, whatever you want to do. And it's like, when do we ever stop to be able to get to do that? Yeah. As you know, especially like, you know, whether you're a church leader or you're just in you're you're out in front, maybe you started at something or you're an artist or whatever. You've got to go, 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 go. It's always about what's next, where you're going, whatever. You never stop. And I think I didn't realize that about my own life, my own pattern. And, and, Every year now, Brian makes me stop for a week, and it's like yeah. been so restorative to my soul. It's so crazy to think about, like, like you said, like how hard stopping is difficult. It is rest yeah. is it's difficult. harder than going. It it's really, hard, is. it really is. Rest is very difficult. The first night we were here, a couple of the guys asked me. Um, you guys both arrived late. We were chatting before you guys got here, and one of the guys asked me. He goes, "When do you when do you actually start like relaxing? Like during the week? Like yeah. when does it hit you?" I'm like, it's usually around Wednesday. Wednesday, all of a sudden, you felt you, you feel your blood pressure has yeah. dropped, and you the rhythm is different, and you're yeah. actually in the new rhythm versus yeah. like kind of like you're still transitioning. And then by Thursday, you're 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 really I'm here, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then oh crud, I gotta go home on Friday. <laughs> it's like yeah, like it's like a two day week for yeah, me. I think yeah. it's about being present too. Like I know yeah. for me, like one of the hard things with my kids and my wife and my you know, it's like put your phone down and be present. Yeah. Like, look at me, you know, like, because it takes a while to be really present. Like, it takes to get beyond the surface of conversation with my kids and with my wife, with friends. Like, it takes a little while. It's not like 20 minutes or 30 minutes or a coffee. Like, it takes a long time, especially for men, you know. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, space like this gives us time to get there, you know. And and uh, you are talking earlier about just all going hard. Like, I think we become victims of our own success. Like so many guys, like we'll take care of 400 guys out here this this year. All of them, incredible leaders. You know, very good at what they do. And so many of them, I look at them and I almost like feel uh, sympathetic towards them. Mm. You know, there's an empathy as well. But you know, I understand that like we become victims of our own success. We want to be so successful, and then we become successful. And we're like, shoot, like I can't stop. I can't get off of this. Yeah, the the, the this the, wheel because yeah. the wheel is actually like when you leave, the wheel is still spinning. We're still getting emails. Yeah, we're still getting texts. We're still there's still things need that need to get taken care of at home. Um, you know, on top of all that, like you know, Jesse and I being parents, like it's you know, I'm still thinking about like my wife trying to like drop off all the kids during this time while I'm here, and then just this idea of like well, I want to help, but I know like if I'm exhausted. 
Yeah. I'm not helping. I'm going to be better after this. I'm week, be you know better. what I mean? Yeah. 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 Well, what, it's interesting because when we were uh, the other morning, me and you were driving, uh, I, th- I think we were just chit chatting outside and you were talking about, you know, how there is no like agenda. Like when people like, and the importance of, like you said, of just slowing down because I feel like for a lot of people, it is easy to get like in that like shark mode where you feel like if you stop swimming, if you stop going hard, you stop breathing. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to, it's hard to stop. But you know, one thing, interesting thing you were telling me was like, you know, you wanted something where there's no sessions. There's no, uh, there's no like particular agenda. When was the moment that you're like, man, that's what people need. Like that, that they need to just be, you know, if they want to, like Cameron said, wander around, if they want to do activities, do you remember the moment where you're like, this is, this is the calling. This is what we got to do. Yeah, it was the moment when we were all like crispy ourselves. I mean, I was a pastor for 10 years. So, you know, I tell people all the time, like, we didn't start something to start something like, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. We started this out of necessity for ourselves. As a matter of fact, you talk about your, your wife and stuff prop. And um, the first year we did this with a bunch of guys, 12, 13 years ago, five guys, mm-hmm. all running hard, all in full-time ministry, um, all maybe starting to get a little disillusioned, a little cynical. Um and so we went fishing one one year, a bunch of guys I met at conferences and stuff. And we loved it. I mean, like you could literally see like the facial change of, you know, like your eye, you know, your skin, yeah. kind of, you know, your color comes back to your face. Like I, I was literally watching it. I was like, so like the, the moment it hit for me was like, I'm like, I watched it in our own souls, like our own lives. I was like, this is what I want. I tell people all the time, like people go to church conferences now to go to Chili's afterwards, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, you don't go because, you know, the sessions are great, but you're like, like even Cameron and I were at a conference in October together. It was like, we were out to like, you know, you were out till late. Late. Yeah, right. I, my Judah, wife was there, Judah so I had to get. Hard. I had to get home. Judah, I had to yeah. get Judah home. Judah could party. <laughs> you know, could party. I mean, but yeah. it was like that. Was like we were all kind of waiting for all day. We we're kind of like, yeah, this is cool, you yeah. know. And then yeah. we're like, hey, so what time are we getting together tonight? Yeah. You know. Right. Yeah. And that was hey, like the moment. <laughs> yeah, that was like the moment for us. We were like, I was like, I think that's what everybody really wants. Yeah. I think yeah. what everybody really wants. So I'm like, how do we extend that into a five day experience? But we just did it for ourselves for years. And as a matter of fact, the funny thing was, the second year our wives sent us back. I kid you not. We were all like, we're all too busy. Yeah. Can't do it next. You can't do the fishing trip and our wives made us go. It's cool. Because man. they felt safe. See, I think our wives start feeling unsafe when we go so hard and so fast. When we put ourselves in places where somebody can't say something honest to us, somebody can't say somebody can't say something true to us because sometimes we don't listen to them. You know, sometimes somebody tell me something two years later, I'll tell my wife, I'm like, yeah, it was this really cool thought. And she's like, I told you that two years ago and you never listened to me. Yeah. But then some guy tells you and you're like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Well, I, I, it's crazy. Like speaking of that, like my wife, even for this trip, this was, uh, I mean, she's starting a new job this week. My, um, my new like record went up for pre-order and all the, all the PR started this week. And she looked at the calendar and said, oh, this is perfect. You need to go this week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this is the time to not be obsessed with like charts, places and numbers and like interviews and just like constantly checking like your, your rating and stuff like that. She's like, no, go away. I think this is great for you. You know, it was interesting. Even last year, Mike Foster was in your room. I think, weren't you guys rooming last year? You're in the same cabin. Mm-hmm. And Mike had just like released his new book, you know, and everybody's like, oh, he'll never come. And like, he's so proud of him because he's like, this is exactly what I needed in a week yeah. and there's so much dropping. Well, I, I, there's two concepts at play here. Number one, Sabbath. We, you yeah. know, we yeah. don't truly rest and unplug in, in, our, in our daily lives, uh, many of us. And even guys who are like out leading and, you know, doing stuff and, and, and girls, sorry, not just guys, this is all of us. We just yeah. have all have things we're pursuing. And then you come home, you got the family obligations, you got the home obligations. It's like you don't turn off yeah. and you don't like fill up. So, you know, having this thing, even if it's only one fifty seconds of the year, mm-hmm. it's like, it's important. The other thing is like so many leaders, like 
get so isolated. And I think that's what's unique about what you're doing, that you're focusing in on kingdom influencers and people who are like out in front because those are the people who maybe they're on stage and they're, you know, they have a lot of people who adore them or follow them or look to them, but they don't realize that behind the scenes, those, those people are like isolated. And yeah. a lot of times the bigger their influence, the bigger the ministry, the more isolated they are. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and maybe good, well-intentioned, even actual friends like, wow, they're so busy. I don't want to yeah, bother them. Totally. Or whatever. And all of a sudden they're lonely or, or they're, you know, built this like, you know, isolated little thing for themselves. And then that's where, disillusionment comes in that's where a lot of times you know weaknesses start to emerge and you know uh, uh, you see leaders falling and it's because they don't have community and i think what's unique about what you're doing here is you're doing intentional community and and it's like come back every year you know like and 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 like this isn't a one and done this isn't a little trip it's a part of your life now and you're not isolated anymore and and seeing guys you know i've been on trips with incredibly famous people that I'm like, I can't believe that they're here. And then, you know, guys who are just kind of coming up and I love that we're all just here on a trip together yeah. and there's no, you know, entourages and there's no yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's just, we're all peers. Yeah. And I love that about what you build. And I think yeah. it's important. And frankly, we need to pursue that in our daily lives. I mean, we need to be aware of the little isolation things that we do and we need to like purposefully put ourselves in community. I, I you know, a few years ago as you know, I went through big life changes. I, realized I had done that to myself. And so like, you know, I got plugged in at church and mm-hmm. like, I hate the idea of doing a community group, but I host community groups in my house and I open up my home every week. And, you know, just like, right, right not right now, we're not in session, but, but, you know, like I, I'd like force myself to get on my own bubble. Mm-hmm. And some of my closest friends are people I've met at church now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I needed that. And I, it's like, I, you don't even realize it's happening mm-hmm. until yeah. like a lot of times, guys cross the line and like, you know, it's, yeah. they break down. Well, it, it's one thing we were, Cameron and I were texting, I don't know, it was probably Thursday or Friday last week. And we, you know, as people who listen to the podcast know, we launched new shows with Prop, with Shauna, yeah. we got, you know, the IG, we got all this stuff. Coming. I mean, if you looked at the calendar for like the, the summer and the fall, which we're meeting about, and then we got the magazine, we got all this stuff, you know, and we were texting back and forth about this trip after we've been in these meetings and stuff. And Cameron, his last text me was like, we need this. Yeah. And I never think about that concept of like need. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything's like, if I get a little margin, I'll chill out. You know, like yeah. if I get a little time, right. but margin, like, that's happen. never going to happen. Yeah, it's no. not yeah, going to happen. But, but, but yeah. that's, that's my point. It's like when you realize this is something you need, it just as a human being, especially yeah. as someone, you, you know, who, yeah. who you, you know, as, as Christians, you know, we, we try to be like somewhat in touch with like those spiritual aspects, you know, and the idea of like, no, this is like a need. But we feel guilty though, right? Yeah. We feel so like it is a need, but we feel guilty. We're like, oh, my kids, my wife, my job. Yeah. It's not fair. Other people don't get to do this, you know? Or I'm thinking about like how much, like now I have double work when I get back. Right. So then I'm right. not really relaxing because I'm just like, oh yeah. man, that inbox is piling up, yeah. you know? But like, let it pile. Yeah. 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 It's going to yeah. pile anyway. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's the part that like, for me, that's the brain turn yeah. off. It's like, it's going to, or this idea, like, especially like, I mean, um, I think in, in one of Brady's songs, he kind of talks about like this fear of like, if I'm not on it, like the, the I'm going to, it's going to stop working. Like the, 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 the bookings are going to stop coming. Like mm-hmm. if I don't say yes, if I don't, if I'm not on it, if I'm not putting out new music, people are going to forget about me or you're, just, you're not going to matter anymore. So you're like, whenever something, yes, yes, I want to do this tour because I'm nervous that if I stop saying yes to something, people are going to stop asking. You know what I'm saying? But like, it's just, it just creates this panic all the yeah. time. Like you're always in this 
this panic. And if, but if the moments that I feel like God is like, really made me be like, yo, like chill. You know what I'm saying? Like then I enjoy touring again, you know? Well, I think you got to look at the life of Christ period. Like we live in such a hyper busy world right now. Like there's nothing in the new Testament like makes any sense to us. Like Mm. from that perspective, I mean, Jesus like is walked on, like it was like the dusty roads that Jesse was walking on this morning. (laughs) Wind blew blowing in his beard. But you know what I mean? Here he is. He's just spending hours walking from this place to that place. Like just, a crew of them, you know, him and his like his yeah. you know, 12 dudes, like just like we're rolling. And yeah, in that time and space, like God's doing all these things, but like it's not the same kind of high pressure, adrenal r- going all the time. Like, you yeah. know, as Christians, we don't know, you know, it's like this monastic life that I, you know, I think you gotta be careful because there's a balance there because, you know, it's easy to get caught up in this monastic life of never being out doing anything, never engaging the world, never engaging culture. But also at the same time, it's easy to just go, go, go and work all the time and never, you know, stay in touch with that that quiet spirit, you know? So yeah. I think it's too about authenticity up here though. You know, like where can you go and just be authentic and be yourself as a leader? Um, so if you're listening today, you know, I just want to encourage you like love your pastor more, yeah. you know, send yeah. more cards, thanking him, you know, cause the assumption is everybody's like, Oh yeah, you're probably getting like lots of thank you cards and how what a great guy he is. And now I'll tell you what he's getting. He's getting a lot of cards. They're saying like music's too loud. Your yeah, theology is wrong. Emails. You should be talking <laughs> yeah. about this and that. And why aren't you, and, you know, so being being a, a group that we want to fight for, you know, pastors and kingdom influencers, like be, be lovers mm-hmm. of your leaders, you know, and, and, you know, maybe be that person that writes him a little note this week and say like, hey, you meant so much to me. Yeah. Send him an email like, hey, I appreciate what you've done in my life and how you've poured awesome. into me and sowed into me. And uh, you can't ever go wrong with like living a life of encouragement and blessing, you know. And it's cool for me too, seeing even as Refuge has evolved and grown over the years, this year you guys started doing trips for um, female leaders and influencers. You guys just did one in Austin. Yeah. Like, dude, I, I mean, you're taking care of yeah. the kingdom. I love, I love that probably one day we're going to look back and like, you know, there's going to be this like generation of healthy leaders and yeah. what shifted? And yeah. they all yeah. point back to our little sensei, Brian Carpenter. <laughs> yeah. The guy behind yeah, the, the scenes. Yeah. For real. It's all yeah. grassroots, man. We're just keeping on the, the, the low DL like grassroots. Yeah. Just influence a few people. You know, maybe yeah. I love it, things, man. So. Well, thank you for everything. Yeah, we man. Sure this has been guys, a blast. Man. We sure yeah. love you guys so awesome. much. Awesome. All right. Well, trying to move the show along. We'll, we'll do a, a little bit. Okay. You got to remember, we went off the grid. Now, literally. <laughs> okay. So how we're doing this is we are kind of breaking the spirit of this place and we're actually doing a little bit of work yeah, in the middle of the yeah. week. But this, right is, it. Now, this yeah. is it. This is it. And then I'm driving into Billings an hour and a half to find some sort of Wi-Fi cafe to upload this. On a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah, I am. We're going to motorcycle. <laughs> Cameron's going to be tearing through the night or the afternoon. Like yes. the sunset is going down like a pack of wolves <laughs> chasing him down the Montana highway. <laughs> Try, th- Movie th- time. I don't think people realize the heroic effort that is going into them hearing this. It's true. I will, yeah, I'm going to have this like in a backpack. I'm going to be on a motorcycle. I'm going to find a, a FedEx office and I'm going to find Wi-Fi. And if you're asking, how is he going to find a FedEx office? Because there's no Wi-Fi out. He's gonna. There's a there's a very treacherous mountain nearby that he's gonna ride the motorcycle to the top of. To use out. his binoculars <laughs> and, and ride down as the wolves chase him to the FedEx store. It's, yes, it's heroic. To it get is, this podcast yeah, out yeah. for you guys. That's how much they love yeah. you. It's important. But uh, um, you know the thing is, we went off the grid on Monday. So mm-hmm. you know we're we're sitting there. You're hearing this on Friday. Yeah, there's five yeah. days of news. We have no clue. <laughs> it should be in case we missed it. Right. That's just, <laughs> so here's our look back at what happened 
Last at least point, until Tuesday. Last weekend. <laughs> was, entertainment. When I was at the airport uh, stranded in Minneapolis three nights ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's time for. In case you missed it. Well, in case you missed it, last weekend, uh, Chance the Rapper, <laughs> an interview with uh, Chance came out. Uh, and he sat down with Teen Vogue magazine, which, by the way, if you haven't been reading Teen Vogue magazine, Dude, they're, they're killing it right they now. They are killing it. They are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, they're. Yeah. Anyway, they sat down with Chance, and uh, during their conversation, he discussed the somewhat complex complicated relationship he has with like labels, not music labels, but like being categorized yeah. mm-hmm. as they as they pertain to his outspoken Christian faith and and then his explicit music, you know, yeah. so uh, he told uh, it was Jordan Peele. Yeah, he sat down yeah. with actor, writer, comedian Jordan Peele, and he told Peele um, one of my biggest fears with coloring book his album was that it would be labeled. I, I hate labels. I never sought out for people to recognize it as a gospel album. And then he says, I don't make Christian rap but I am a Christian rapper. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's a distinction that we understand at relevant. We cover this all the time, but like for him to kind of finally like say that to, you know, people who are trying to say, well, are you a Christian? No, like he just said, yeah, this is what it is. And, um, yeah, it's cool that he doesn't have to mince words. I think oftentimes like because of the umbrella of CCM in general, like, hip hop artists, like obviously me being one of them, like it's always been hard to kind of like, cause we're not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not Tomlin, you know what I'm saying, yeah, right? Yeah. So like, well, it's hard to say, you know, it's not worship music, it's not this. So it's it's always um, it's always hard to like really figure out what we're trying to say in the sense that like, yeah, this isn't meant for corporate worship. Him not having the umbrella of CCM is able to say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian it, rapper but, but without it's, the baggage. It, well, it's it's interesting because yeah. that baggage is so prevalent that even he admitted like he was concerned about labels yeah. coming in. Yeah, yeah, so he said when it, when the when Coloring Book was about to release, you know, listen, if you've heard it, it has openly worshipful moments, mm-hmm. uh, lyrics about God. He covers Chris Tomlin's song. Yeah. Um, but then obviously it's explicit. Yeah. Um, and I don't think there's a clean version available on Apple either. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you got to sit down with the with the whole range of the yeah, content yeah, if you want to yeah. listen to it. Um, he, he said he was concerned about being misunderstood. Uh, so prior to his release, this is what he said. Uh, when I was going out and trying to give full glory to God in, in my setting, I feared that people would be dismissive of it. Like, oh, this is Christian rap. I'm not trying to hear it. But it's the total opposite. People were very accepting of it. Whether they say I'm an atheist, but I love coloring book, or they say I'm so glad I was able to get closer to God through this project. People had formed opinions about what I put into the world. I think that's always part. The goal of art is to make people ask themselves questions. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, well, in case you missed it this week or last week or the weekend prior to at Monday, some point, at some yeah. point prior to Monday, Aziz Ansari spoke out about Master of Nuns religion episode. Yeah. So the new yeah. season of Master of Nuns is out. So good. And it's, I watched it on the way here. The religion episode. Yeah. And so like, it's really interesting how the, almost each episode is self-contained. Yeah, there's, there's they're like short films. They really, they really, really are. It feels at moments it feels like a film student, film yeah. school project. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. But it's so good. Well, one of the episodes is called Religion, and uh, um, Vulture published an interview with Aziz about the Religion episode and uh, the real life experiences behind it. So this is what he said: As a kid, your religion is just doing whatever your parents picked up. I've never heard of a kid who's like, well, I studied every religion, and the one I picked ended up being uh, the one my parents picked. No, everyone's like. This is what our parents did. We're going to do the same thing and you're going to do the same thing. And I remember even as a kid, just not liking that aspect. I remember learning about religions in school and being like, well, why? And then this is there before there's any kind of issue with Islam. 
I, I, I didn't want to be doing it just because my parents did it. Yeah. Um, and that comes through in the episode. Well, well it, the, the, the thing is, like, even if you're not a Muslim, like, his par- like the episode is, is through the lens yeah. of his personal experience. But I feel like even if you grew up in a re- any sort of religious atmosphere, you can relate to the tension that he's wrestling with. Uh, you know, not, it, because like he said there, the, the, at the core of the tension is like, do I believe what I believe just because my parents did? Yeah. But even, even to the extent and not to dig too much into like Islam, but what he's wrestling with is some of the things that I think he would view as more like legalistic, like eating pork or, you know, the, you know, some of the more, I shouldn't say legalistic. It's just more of the ritualistic and traditional aspects of, right. of the, thing. yeah. And, and the, but, he, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But, but as soon as you say, you, I, you see that in the Christian, uh, totally households too. Like, Oh, well my parents didn't drink or like, you know, it's, is this me a band or whatever? Listen yeah. to watch certain kind of culture. Yeah. Is this me abandoning my faith or is this me discovering it yeah. for myself? I feel like no matter what personal background you came from, it's a great episode. Yeah, he totally, like, without ruining the episode, there's, like, a moment where he was like, Mom, you don't wear a hijab, you know what I'm yeah. saying? But you're mad about me and this pork. It's like, you, you've picked something that you're like, I'm not really, this isn't yeah. a hill I'm going to die on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So him, there was this, yeah, this, like, undertone of being like, I actually, like, if I believe this, I want to believe it for me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And actually, you've you're you guys are kind of doing the same thing. Like you've picked and choose. And then, then the other part with like just the whole metaphor of the pork and finally tasting bacon was like I feel like like you said anybody can relate to that. For for some some of y'all like you know sort of Bible Belt, it was like the first time you heard secular music. You're yeah. like, oh crap! That I didn't get struck by lightning. Yeah, and this sounds amazing. Well, and to you know like, to the the idea at the core of it is which is a more authentic experience? The one yeah. that adopts tr- traditions because they feel like a loyalty to their parents or to the historic, you know, a legacy of the faith, or is it the one that you know is comfortable abandoning them to find something that's authentic to them? I mean, for him to be able to do it, and it's funny. Like, it sounds like we're like unpacking this like crazy, like religious, yeah. you know, documentary or something. But it's as easy sorry. It's really funny, but it's cool to hear the background perspective on it. Well, in case you missed it, uh, here's some news on the theological comedy front. <laughs> that's a, that's a new one. Uh, Owen Wilson and Daniel Radcliffe are about to play the parts of God and an angel on a new TBS show. It's, it's in the good place ish take on uh, the workplace comedy. Wilson's God character delegates his more godlike duties to Radcliffe's angel Craig. Uh, Craig, <laughs> Craig will have to handle little things like the pending destruction of Earth. Uh, it's being executive produced by Lauren Michaels and longtime SNL writer Simon Rich. It's called Miracle Workers and it debuts in 2018. I love that. Like we're at a place where because a good place, you know, has like yeah. these ideas like heaven and hell and like redemption and like punishment for sins and things like that but that we're there was like a time when like weird absurdist sci-fi comedies were everywhere you know like i I feel we always talk about like alf and little uh uh, small wonder yeah yeah, yeah. like that but i love the fact that they're those are sort of coming back but through the lens of like commentary about religion and like social because also i mean obviously i haven't seen the show but ultimately like in the premise which is just funny reading it like craig has to deal with (laughs) but 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 Craig, but there's what what is at the core of these shows? Yeah, but at the core of these shows, even like the Good Place, is a real cultural tension with like, okay, if we say we believe what we do believe about God, someone's making those decisions. Like if we like the idea of sovereignty, someone's making the decisions to to do destruction, or like with the Good Place, like 
uh, you know, are there eternal consequences for our action? They're wrestling with these tensions is like such a funny light that, you know, I don't know if the show's going to be good, but yeah. it's got a good pedigree. Yeah. And to think that like art and people that make art, uh, film you know music like they aren't like other in our culture like they're members of the culture so you're watching you know terrorism and and political climate and all that you're experiencing you know i'm saying the uh you know what what evangelicals are saying about the world and how they voted and yada yada and then you know uh what what you know islam and radical terrorism or you know whatever the case may be like all those things and still just really trying to make sense out of the world we're in now you know what i'm saying and it's showing up in your art well, you know that, I mean? well that's the thing with damon lindelof yeah. who you'll hear from later in the episode you know he's doing it through the lens of like sci-fi and you know yeah. kind of venture and drama you have this happening in comedy with aziz with shows like this in the good place you know it, it is a fascinating time where religion and faith are at the the cross point of this cultural tension and people are comfortable enough to be a little irreverent with you know yeah. the big spoiler alert about damon lindelof the the series finale of the leftovers yeah. I saw I saw a screener for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, the big <laughs> twist at the end was Craig. Craig shows up. Craig. And it tees up the show that's going to come <laughs> next year. And then you so, find out it was all a dream in Jack's head from Lost. Like yeah, the plane I, never even crashed. This crazy. was all dreamed up. Yeah. Well, yeah. This, they call the smoke monster Craig in the leftovers. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Craig <laughs> slash smoke monster, the angel of Owen Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned for a very Montana-esque slices. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be great. No, I got All right. Well, here's where I would say the song you're listening to. Yeah. The problem is, <laughs> I don't know what you're listening to because I had to send this file midweek. You know. Yeah. Uh, from Montana, he drove through a thunderstorm. There was lightning bolts hitting the desert floor beside him as he blasted <laughs> through the desert on a Angels was playing as he's yeah. somewhere. I don't know where the speaker was coming from, but it was playing. So Crazy. Chandler uh, picked out uh, the music. Uh, I, I had a suggestion for the opener. I don't even know if he if he took the suggestion. But uh, uh, so you're just listening to music. If you want to know what was playing on the Today Show, go over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com, and they're all listed yeah. there like they are every week. All right, well, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Okay, so I was, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys heard about this. This is super okay. interesting. Okay, um, you know, a lot's been going on that I don't know about, but because we do not have the internet, we this don't have no the internet, joke. we yes. don't have the internet. So I had to find out regional news. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and here's the thing: here's the thing. I'm in Montana. I don't even know if they deliver the newspaper out here. So yeah. that made that difficult. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I just had to like take up the observations from the land. Okay. And here's one thing I learned: in case you missed, or or or, or 
in, in Montana like, these days, the highway speed limit is over 80 miles an hour. But really, you can just open it up. And if you're a passenger in an F-150, particularly in the bed of it, it is terrifying to yes. drive these highways. <laughs> because the guys out here have learned to take corners a little hotter than I'm comfortable <laughs> with. I'm not, I haven't said anything. But I think at one point, one of the guys apologized because he saw my, my knuckles literally get white. This is 80 mile an hour speed limit. Yeah. You know, is it really? 80, yes, on the highway. Yeah. 80 miles an hour. A minimum 65. But I'm literally about to go rent motorcycles. So yeah. the highways that I will be riding are 80 miles an hour. 80 Just because there's only hour. four people on it all day. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Yeah. So, That's so crazy. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm suggesting, and here's the thing. I haven't seen one traffic jam out here. Granted, I've not seen any cars. Well, but I, hold on. We did have a traffic jam yesterday when we, we had the truck in a field. A bunch of horses came and stood in front of us, and we couldn't get out. Right. I mean, that was going to be my slice. Okay. But let's yeah. hear it. Let's so hear it. His slice is going to be about the traffic jam. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Montana. So tell us what happened yesterday. Oh, we're you want to go with mine? Yeah. yeah. So we were um, doing Montana things, shooting guns at uh, zombie targets, and having a great time. <laughs> and um, can, can I? Can we? Can, can we, we give a little back? Get another slice there. No. Can we say what we thought that the target was? Yes. I think so. so okay. Let me paint the picture a little. Okay. <laughs> so we've been hanging with with the dudes from Refuge uh, all morning. We've been fishing. I say we've been fishing. The three of us and our guides, we talked our guides into pull over, pulling over about 25 minutes into the fishing trip. <laughs> and we, we, <laughs> we anchored our boats, just hung out and goofed around and ate sandwiches and literally goofed around on the shoreline for like an hour and a half yeah, and had a true. blast while everyone else fished. Yeah. I think we had the most fun. I so anyway, positive. So then, so we're sitting there and guys like, Hey, why don't we, why don't we just call, call this thing and we'll go shooting guns. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So we load up. Long story short, we get to where we're gonna go. When we have, we're, we're we have, we're like armed with assault rifles, <laughs> actually assault <laughs> rifles. And we get to the field, and these dudes we've been hanging out with, they're like, they're like, hey, just wait in the truck. We're gonna go put the targets up, and then we'll drive you back to the place, you know, a few hundred yards out, and we'll shoot them. So we're about halfway between where we're gonna shoot and yeah, where the targets about, are. It's probably sixty yards. 50, yeah, 50 or sixty so, yards. So you can kind of you kind of see what they're doing. But we're still they we're not in earshot, right. you know. Uh, uh, and one of the guys gets out and he puts uh, 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 like a standard target, like the bullseye, bullseye and stuff. Yeah. Uh, on each side, and then he goes and, and takes out a target and places it right in the middle. Prop, I want you to take the story. From yeah, there. so it's clearly like it's like you know one of those like shooting the bad guy kind of targets, right? So I'm looking at it, and from far away, a little dude is wearing a ball cap, mm -hmm. and from far away, I was like, these rather dark, like that. <laughs> Is that? It really looked like. I'll be honest with you. We were all sitting there thinking it. Yeah. And then, and like, is that we were what we were thinking when, without saying a word was, is that really a target of a dark skin man that would do that? And then all of a sudden, we're sitting there, and he's still hanging. The guys way down, the, and, and the three of us are in the truck, and Prop just goes. What is that? What, what, what is that middle target? So I'm like, man, we've been hanging out, we playing poker, we went fly fishing earlier, just you know, just hamming it up, he, shooting the breeze. He hung a picture of a and he hangs right a picture of a black man at the shooting range. What is happening right now? Whoa, man. So the so the so the guy comes back, you know, he's just trotting along, having a great time, about to show us how to shoot these guns, you know. And then as soon as he opens the door, I was like. Hey, what's that middle target? <laughs> you know? He goes, oh, it's a zombie. And I was like, 
Oh, from the distance, the silhouette looked, looked like, like it was, a black. Dude. All you saw was, but then you go up and it's like this green monster zombie carrying a oh, pizza man. box. But yeah, um, and it never even occurred to him. He was yeah. So, yeah. Like, but it, I will say this, you know, I've been relaxed the entire time we've been here. Yeah. I had a surge of like anxiety <laughs> and very uncomfortableness for like, I don't know, 15 seconds. Good 15 from the moment seconds. he's walking back from the target. I to, was so to, nervous. To, to, to prop like, are oh, you guys seeing what I've seen? And we're like, all sitting I, in the truck like, am I tripping? Oh, like, man, you, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm no, I, I, like I know it's a thing, you know, I know there's not like, it's not another black man for another 40, 400 mile radius. So maybe I'm being sensitive, but I'm like, I just, I don't know, guys. I don't know if we're there yet. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we should be shooting um, at that thing. But so anyway, we start shooting. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and these things are loud. Yeah. I mean, they're blasting. So I mean, we're shooting. Like, we have to wear ear protection. Dude, so it's, I, I had mine. I took mine off to like, oh, yeah. at no, one I, point to like, look down on the scope or no, whatever we get no, no, low. No. and someone I don't I can't remember who shot one directly next to my head and I didn't have earbuds in. and it's ringing it's really like, it's loud. like startling so anyway you would think so it sounds like a big explosions we're in the yeah, field just explosions. one would think one would think that would frighten away any animals particularly large smart ones that yes. know that their guns going off yes so we're shooting. We're having fun. Our backs are turned, and Jesse notices maybe it's time for us to roll out. And immediately, <laughs> is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. Continue, maybe not those, those turns. So immediately, so I turn, and all of a sudden, I'm like, I know this scenario. We're right back in South Central LA. It was a <laughs> on the horizon, on the horizon, standing far enough away just in case we were dangerous, yeah. but close enough to know you're kind of in my yard right now. Yeah. Was a pack of like free, beautiful horses. Yeah, they were, but they were walking towards us slowly, like, not like a herd. They were sending a they message, were literally shoulder to shoulder in a line. Yeah, like you, you, walking directly at us. For you guys, that, totally. For you guys that watch, you know that that are on, that subscribe to like the Red Couch podcast. Yeah. This was this was not only hood politics this was hood on the range politics <laughs> this is major because politics this yeah. is this is range because i'm like th those horses are gangbanging like you you just what do you yeah. they was basically like what you doing on our block homie? for real well so so what, you lost so they, they keep walking up <laughs> they keep walking up right and i'm like i don't know if you guys noticed this because i was a little embarrassed but i was like i'm getting in that truck you did i got in the truck immediately <laughs> and the really? which Dude, is really the smartest okay, thing to okay, do one of these guys one of the guys we're with is like petting the horse in the face they're feeding it grass like you guys cameron's like walking right up to it taking a picture i'm like dude i'm getting in that truck. are you okay the we've joked around about this exact scenario <laughs> where animals come upon us and it's like okay this is about to be like a self and he walking prophecy. real slow. I'm like those animals are like 600 pounds. I can't. I, I'm. But they didn't stop. This is the thing. They kept coming closer and closer and closer. And it was in a menacing kind of way. It wasn't like it oh, was so fun. slow and confident. Right? right. That makes you feel like these. Yeah. They're they're, they're they know us. what they're, they're doing. Us. They're not afraid of us. Okay. They're, they're gonna push us off their land. So I'm like sticking my. Everyone else is out wandering amongst the beast, and I have my <laughs> phone out, and I'm like filming them out the car window. The car's <laughs> you know not it's not moving or anything so i'm sitting there i'm like watching the video i made 
and I hear Pop like, yo, Jesse, look over. I swear to you, <laughs> this is not true, Pop. It's facts. The, the, I was sitting on the right hand back Dri- seat. Passenger r- side. Passenger side. And I turn over and I'm thinking someone's going to be sitting next to me because I can feel like a presence. A freaking horse head <laughs> is, is completely. I can feel it breathing on my jugular. Completely in the car. Are you not? Am I lying? There I is, this the is breath not. On, Jesse I can feel the breath on my throat. I can feel the breath on my throat. Like at any yeah, Have you guys seen Alien with Sigourney Weaver? Yeah. Where she, yeah. It's a famous scene where yeah. she's like looking straight ahead and the alien face is right beside her like and it's like slobbering all over and she's crying. That was me in the back of the car yesterday. And I'm like, just take me. Just if you want the throat, just make it quick. Just horse bite me in the throat and take it. But he, it was weird because like while that was happening, the horses had fully surrounded the truck. They right? surrounded so the like, truck. Yeah, they like in the front, they were blocking us in on all sides and then clearly the king horse, yeah. you know, came in to put his pulled in the aliens and we're weird. Alpha horse. I did, dude, I was trying to play it so cool. I was terror. I was not going to say, <laughs> we're with like the man, we're with like the the most like range dudes ever. This is the most like, they, they're talking about ever. like former uh, soldiers. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I, I was like, hey man, I, I <laughs> these horses I, were. I literally asked him, what's the last animal that attacked him? He said he got bit by both like a wild dog and a domesticated dog in the same day. These are real men. <laughs> these who, are real men. Who dealt with real stuff. I'm not going to, I'm not going to act like, a, like, a, you know, I'm not going to start crying, but I was literally at the point of like, guys, you were can we please yeah. get me out of the here? The thing is because the horses were not in any way phased nope. by the shooting of AR rifles. That's yeah. right. Or, what am I going to do? Or human presence. If right. I they knew, were moving slowly. I they were not jumping. But when you kept talking about the South Central thing, like this was like territory. Totally. That was exact. I could not see it that way then. I mean, it was like, that's exactly what happened. They, they calmly came over. They like get out of here, yeah. and then they Addressed like us calmly. They yeah. did, but they but their physical intimidation. Dude, it, I, I thought I'm safe in the car. It's like Jurassic Park. <laughs> it's like those fools in Jurassic Park who are like just get in the car and lay down. No, you're drawing more attention to yourself. They're yes. going for the car first. It's yeah. Head Do you think I'm scared of your car? Yeah, you yeah think I'm scared of this car. Exactly. It was. It was the the, the I looked over and it was the eye <laughs> of like the Tyrannosaurus, like right? it was a freaking horse head. He's not like I'm not scared. I'm yeah. not intimidated. Yeah. I just need you to know. Yeah, get out. Y'all need to leave now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm, I was like, I was like, prop. I'm just trying. I was looking at my phone. I didn't look. I'm like, prop. I'm not trying to be rude, man. But you need to get some gum or a mint or something. Your breath. Like, oh, it's a horse head right there. It's not prop. Oh yeah. man. So Great. that's 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 prop slice. Yeah. The, yeah. What, what's your what's your slice, Jesse? Uh, well, in addition to my observation about the speed limits, I found another uh, thing about Montana mm-hmm. um, that um, cows walk perilously close to the sides of cliffs. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me back up for a second. Let let me get, let me, let me say something. I've had two points in this trip where I've been like super nervous about something bad happening. One is when a horse could have (laughs) bit my throat out if he wanted to and decided not to because he sensed the fear. The second is we're on a, we're, we're we're floating down a river. Yeah. Fly fishing. And and, and the side, the sides of the river, you know, are cliffs. cliffs. Yeah. You know, and like, and and it's surrounded by cattle ranches and, you know, reservation land, stuff like that. But, so yeah, it's cliffs on either side, right? And so we're cruising down the river, fly fishing, and you're kind of it's like a winding, snaking river with cliffs. And like we come upon like like a herd of cows or whatever on the banks, but like the bank gets steeper and steeper. And I'm like, and we're all talking about the cows and how cool they are or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, man, uh, look up on that cliff side. Like there's like a mangy outcast cow <laughs> that's like hanging on. And I because sw- cows hang out together. Yeah, and I'm like, really like, I'm like, that's that's yeah. a little weird that he's like he's over by himself, and he's like on the edge of the cliff. I, I it's look, like patchy. Look, 
I think a hoof was hanging off the cliff face. Like he's <laughs> like, I'm like th- this he cow. Looked, he looked wobbly. Yeah. Th- and, I, and, and so I said to the guys in the boat, I'm like, look, I don't know what the ethical thing is here because I feel like that cow's about to fall in the river <laughs> right beside us. And like, are we just going to watch a cow drown? Yeah. Like, cause that's super messed up. But I'll be honest. I, I don't feel comfortable saving a human out here. I don't know if I can save that. I don't cow. know. I don't know how do you, but I, I feel like, look, man, if that cow falls in the river and we're in a boat, we have some obligation. I'm no, just going to watch it drown and float away. It's called natural selection. You the, do have, you do not have that. Obligation. cow actually is owned by someone. The, the, the other thing is like, okay, worst case scenario that happens. The cow falls in right in front of us. Right. And, and I'm like, dude, this cow drown and help somebody, you know, Montana person. help. If we have to watch it, that's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Like this situation. Yeah. Roll faster, roll yeah. faster. Yeah. And yeah. so like later in the trip, later in the trip, one of the dudes like pulls out like a Ziploc bag. He pulls out a Ziploc bag of uh, of pepperoni sticks. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm crushing these pepperoni sticks. Yeah. And like, they're very proud of these pepperoni sticks because they were made from a donated cow. That's what he said. He's like, he's like, are you liking those? I'm like, dude, these are amazing. Like I thought, yeah. I thought, man, these must have come from, I thought they were like Hello Slim Fresh. Jim. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like, oh, sweet man. I got to pick these up at Wawa or whatever next time there. He's like, no, dude, that came from like a donated cow. That thing's fresh. And all I, in my mind, I'm like, that cow fell off a cliff and washed up on the bank. Like, when you say donated, you mean the river donated. Donated like, by Jesus. There's probably cows washing up on the banks, it, you know, all, all the time. Yeah, and people are just cliff, grinding them in a pepperoni sticks. Like that's I actually found the real like reason. a dark secret out here. Well, that's the real reason the, the yeah. lake is called Bighorn. Yeah, is, exactly. Yeah, horses, they, they, they just fall in all the time. It's, just a, you know, it's the mangy sick cows that fall in, though. Yeah. That's why they can only make pepperoni out of their meat. It's like already spicy. <laughs> well, well, that's what we say. It, that's, <laughs> they didn't even spice it. They just cut it yeah. over and a bunch of pepperoni sticks, sticks. fell out. Yeah, it's just slices. Something them. weird happens to the inside of those mangy salmon ones, flavored. But, uh, yeah. I've been learning pepperoni a lot sticks. of yeah. interesting facts. Hard hitting slices. We've I've been brought. learning. That, I mean, these are. Yeah, I'm thinking about starting a nature show with all the stuff I learned because most is pretty accurate. I'm not going to fact check it because I have saw it with my own eyes. I know what yes. happens. So. We know where pepperoni comes from now. Yeah, That's exactly. basically what we're saying. All right. Well, you know, if again, if it's your first time listening to the show, that is exactly what slices is every week. Is <laughs> our observations of the natural world. Yeah. Um, all right. Stay tuned. Up next, Damon Lindelof joins us. Feature interview is brought to you by Movement Watches. Movement was started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylish watches but couldn't afford them. So they started Movement, MVMT. Yeah. Uh, that's how you find it. Uh, uh, on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank, uh, they they have launched a cult following. I mean, they are, they've sold over half a million watches in over 160 countries. It's crazy to see. They're basically like the Warby Parker of. Yeah. watches. Yeah. There's like good style, but good value. Um, they sell their products entirely online. So they were able to cut out the middleman and the retail markup. And so their watches started just 95 bucks, uh, which is a fraction of what department store brands typically charge for a quality watch. Uh, they have classic design, quality construction, styled minimalism. 
And I, I have one. I yeah, love it. I have two. I wear them all the time. And like, I appreciate the ethic of the company too. Like the independent spirit, especially as like doing like a pot, you know what I mean? Like they're trying to be disruptions and doing it in a really cool way with good style and a good price point. That's right. We like, we like companies that disrupt yeah, the yeah, industry. Yeah. It's awesome. Right now, they are offering relevant podcast listeners a special offer. You can go to mvmt.com slash relevant and you'll get 15% off today. Plus, you get free shipping and free returns. That's mvmt.com slash relevant. Join the movement. Yeah. Well, Damon Lindelof, uh, if you read the current issue of relevant, we, we had a fascinating conversation with him about his uh, television journey with Lost and the leftovers and his own beliefs and yeah. how spirituality has informed uh, the art that he makes. Uh, it's he really is the guy behind some of the most overt spiritual theme television in yeah. the last ten years. Um, his show, The Leftovers, is wrapping up their series finale this week on HBO, and we thought it'd be a great time to bring you a part of the conversation that didn't make it into the magazine. Yeah, he's he's um, a lot of people, you know, first were introduced to his work on Lost, but since then, not only has he done, he, he hand chose The Leftovers, like the novel, right. to adapt for HBO, taking it in an entirely new direction. And the the cool thing is, like, there are these Christian themes to both shows, but he has like a lot of interesting thoughts about religion and faith. And the thing is like, I think we, we talked to him the little behind the curtain for the magazine. I think we ended up talking for over an hour and obviously got to edit that down to uh, a piece. And you're like, man, there's so much good stuff. So I'm glad people are being able to hear about it. Um, he's, he's a big force in Hollywood right now. You know, he's like a script doctor. Like when like world war Z or one of these movies can't find an ending, they bring in a guy like Damon Lindoff because he understands like the power of certain kind of story arcs. So, fascinating guy fascinating interview without any further ado here is part of our conversation with Damon Lindelof So the storytelling itself, you know, I think is, is part of what makes The Leftovers so fascinating, particularly the way the storytelling, I think, changed and evolved a little bit in season two. And then, I mean, I've only seen the, the first episode of season three that they sent me. Uh, but, but I, you know, you can tell, I think it's the same universe, but it seems to be a basing, pacing difference, some interesting things that you're doing. And so I'm curious about how you approached writing the story uh, or the show, I guess the series, uh, with the difference of you know ABC to to HBO. Do you feel like there was more space in in this different format to explore interesting storytelling types? What what was your approach? Well, I mean, you know, the the biggest difference is the the number of episodes that you have to produce. Um, you know, the the, can- the size of the canvas for for broadcast has to be much larger. And we were doing in twenty three or twenty four episodes of Lost for the first you know, three seasons at least, and still pretty high episodic count for the for the final three. And, you know, for the leftovers, we did 10, 10, and 8. So um, it that affects uh, pacing and um, and all the, all the things uh, therein. But, but, you know, the one thing that I, that what I wanted to retain from Lost is that this idea that the episodes felt like episodes. So although there's a continuing storyline, you could describe an episode of The Leftovers as like, oh, this is the one where, you know, Matt Jameson um, finds out someone's trying to build, buy his church and he has to go and dig up some money and gamble it. Like right. they, they, every, yeah, every, kind of the, the every hour long adventure. 
Yes, exactly. Um, that the leftovers is exactly like friends. Um, <laughs> but uh, so the main takeaway um, from this interview. Yes, exactly. So uh, um, I think that other than that, you know, the other big difference between you know doing something for for cable and doing something for broadcast is is that broadcast has commercials, and so you have to kind of design the way that the episode unfolds with these little things that we call act out so like every seven or eight minutes there's something dramatic enough that makes someone not want to change the, the channel during the commercial um and you don't have you don't have to do that um thank god in um in uh, uh on an hbo show you just basically are doing like these little hour-long movies yeah um Certainly. so the so the the narrative constraints are 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 not as much and you know um you can have nudity and and violence and and language uh that is more graphic mm -hmm. um uh in in terms of but i never really felt when we were doing loss like oh man i really wish that we could use more f words yeah um, <laughs> uh that that show kind of what it it, it it functioned it it was perfectly fine to not be graphic but the leftovers felt just based on its subject matter that it did it definitely wanted to feel more gritty and more real and more frightening in those in those ways that um that you would probably be prohibited from doing in, in standard uh, network television so season three opens with this um this whole like mini arc opening intro series thing um about this I, what appears to be like a quaker family um where the mother puts a lot of stock in um rapture predictions i assume something like rapture yeah. predictions of their church and you know sure. and uh, they they keep failing and over you know the few you know 45 seconds or whatever it is uh the the dad kind of loses his faith or at least his patience with the mother's faith um, and takes the son and then the mom is perpetually uh, frustrated I think by these attempts to put faith in this preacher's predictions that keep coming untrue and then you know we, we jump into the, the main story I guess main is the right word um, and then a lot of the people there in Miracle Texas are also looking for this next big event that uh, it's like an August date yeah. I think or something happening in 14 days and then uh -huh. toward the end it's like right. 13 days or something and yeah. it, it seems to me if I'm reading this right so I'm, I'm going to kind of summarize your show so <laughs> if, if, if I get it wrong please correct me. Uh, it seems to me it points to, to kind of your central tension or what at least I've observed as a central tension. And that's um, kind of grief and, and what to, what it means to move past grief and occasionally even the, the place of hope in moving past grief. Do you think, is that fair? I mean, what is that? Does that ring true with what you were trying to do? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, I think that when someone talks about grief, um, it, it always feels like if you've lost someone close to you that you love, that that that, that will profoundly affect you uh, forever. But there is a natural end point to grief um, where you just come to accept the loss and um, and kind of move on. And I, I think that there are, you know, that's one of the wonderful things about uh, many faiths. Uh, 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 organized religion uh, takes a lot of heat, but the, they have these amazing constructs for uh, grieving cycles. 
um, that but they all have sort of de, of a definitive end. So if you're Jewish and you and you sit shiva, uh, there's this there's this time to mourn and and wail, and then there's there's a natural endpoint to it. And um, and and in a lot of Christian cultures, the the idea of the the way that the um, that the uh, funeral takes place and um, and and um, and the and the prayers over over the grieving and the way that the deceased is memorialized over time, etc. But it all ends, and eventually you kind of go like, okay, I lost this person who was very close to me, but I've now come come out of the end of the of the grief cycle because of the departure, because these people aren't dead, they're just gone. There is no natural there is no natural endpoint for their grief, and so they're much more prone to. Um, to just uh, be rescued or saved, that, that that this idea that there's like this inherent salvation or that there's going to be another event. Because I've always been, you know, this this kind of end of the world thinking, particularly as it relates to, um, uh, uh, it it, hap- it it feels like there there's always a cult out there that thinks that the end is nigh, um, and um, and and some of them actually pick a specific date and. The opening, the opening of uh, this uh, final season of Leftovers is based largely upon this group of uh, uh, that was based out of New York called the Millerites, and they actually had some Australian offshoots um, led by a guy named Playford in Adelaide, Australia, um, that had very there, there was a very specific date that was picked for when they were going to get raptured uh, up to heaven, and it's just sort of like what kind of person wants that to happen. Um, like how miserable does their life have on earth have to be to feel like, uh, well, I'm going to be going to heaven when I die anyway, if I lead the right life, like, why do I have to go now? And then the idea that there was some sort of inherent apocalyptic event that was going to happen that they'd be saved from would at least make that make sense. But the real emotional idea that is, was really interesting to us as storytellers is like, what do you do when that, (laughs) when that day comes and goes? Like what, what? What what happens when the world doesn't end, and you put all your eggs in that basket? Does that shatter your faith, or does it cause you to double down? Um, and uh, that that felt like a very interesting um, 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 emotional uh, and religious parable to kind of start the entire season off with, especially because you know Matt Jameson, who is the closest that we have to a you know a fire and brimstone. Uh, preacher on the show, he he seems to be saying something big is going to be happening on the anniversary of the departure because it's the seven year anniversary and there's all these sorts of, of biblical precedents for for a seven year period of tribulation. Uh, he's not he's stopping short of that he thinks that it's going to be doomsday, uh, but he thinks something is going to happen, uh, and the anticipation of that event is what the entire season is built around. So obviously, I mean, this big uh, event, this departure, the sudden departure, uh, is some form. Well, seems to be some form of at least draws on references uh, the Christian idea of the rapture that's rooted in you know very specific kind of, kind of traditions uh, with you know things called uh, dispensationalism, and you know it's been portrayed in novels like Left Behind um, in a couple different movie versions of the same 
the same stories, etc. I mean, do you, where does that? Do you have experience with those kind of things? Did you grow up in a religious or conservative home where you would have had ex- exposure to this kind of idea? No, um, you know, I mean, the my religious foundation was primarily Judaism, um, and uh, my father was raised Lutheran. Mm-hmm. But by the time I was born, he wasn't really, uh, he was pretty much a self-defined atheist. <laughs> and my mom was uh, culturally Jewish, and um, and uh, I, was bar- I, I went to uh, Hebrew school and was bar mitzvahed, but not really ever, you know, a, a, a believer um, in the in the most strictest sense of the word, but obviously had a lot of instruction on the Old Testament and always liked uh, Bible stories and was fascinated um, by Bible stories um, in terms of uh, what both their, you know, was I supposed to take these things literally? You know, uh, you know, was there actually a flood? Was there really an Abraham and Isaac? Um, uh, What did Moses actually part the Red Sea or were these more parables? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then as I grew older, as I began to be, um, you know, kind of go out into the world and uh, read and uh, experience people who had different religious upbringings than I did, became fascinated by Christianity and um, and the same questions, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because I felt like the foundation of my Jewish faith was that these things weren't supposed to be taken literally, that they were more parables. And I didn't need to believe that Jonah was actually swallowed by a a whale, but that the Christians that I encountered believed um, that Jesus was, that everything that happened in the New Testament was to be taken literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a, that was in a sort of a fascinating uh, process uh, for me um, in terms of, of this wasn't a metaphor. This was, this was literal. And so when I, when I, I've always kind of known about the idea of the rapture, certainly as popularized by, you know, the Left Behind uh, series, and then every once in a while, you know, one of these, um, you know, kind of doomsday prophets coming forward and saying, uh, this is, the the end of the world is nigh, et cetera, et cetera. But then Parada actually did a lot of research on on the rapture and uh, uh, the... Um, the the different interpretations and the you know the premillennialists and the postmillennialists yeah, uh-huh. and so he you know uh, when, when it when it comes to the actual rapture and my understanding um, from Tom was and again I he did all this research before I met him so I took his word for it is that the word rapture never appears in the New Testament right um, they that it's it's really an extrapolation of uh, a lot of uh, things in Revelations. Um, uh, in, 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 in terms of, oh, this is what's going to, this is the sequence of events basically leading, leading into and through the end times. Um, and so, uh, in, in, in basically everything that I knew about the rapture prior to meeting Parada was in that Mimi Rogers, David Duchovny movie entitled The Rapture. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and something tells me that it is, it wasn't like strictly canonical. Uh, to uh, to revelations, although um, you know it, it certainly was not afraid to quote uh, Bible verse. <laughs> well then, great. Well then, how about this? How about one more question? Can you tell me what happened to the smoke monster? 
what happened to it at the end of the, at the very end of the show? Yeah, what happened? What uh, what happened with it? I guess I should say. I, I feel like uh, the consensus around the office was if we're if we're talking to the creator of Lost, everybody wanted to know more about the smoke monster. Well, you know, I mean, everything is subject to interpretation, but I I guess that um, the conventional thinking is that the smoke monster uh, um, uh, took kind of taken the form of John Locke for the majority of the end game of the final season. And its intention was to, um, was to destroy the Island that, that would, and the Island was functioning as a cork for, um, all sorts of unpleasantness and evil in the world that would have been freed had it, uh, achieved its goal. And fortunately, uh, Jack Shepard, uh, um, uh, sacrificed his life um, in the great messianic tradition um, to stop this from happening, and uh, and defeated and destroyed the smoke monster in the process. So um, that's the that's the I think that's the conventional uh, answer to the question, and I uh, I can't disagree with it. That was Damon Lindelof. Make sure to check out the series finale of The Leftovers on HBO. Stay tuned. Up next, Brady Toops joins us. Joining us uh, for the next segment is singer, songwriter, artist, Brady Toops. Welcome to the show, man. Oh, it's good to be here. So, Toops. Hey. Now, not only that, he is also currently the Montana chip leader in the evening poker tournament. I that believe. is true. Let's go. He had a good run last night. It could all change tomorrow, though. It could. I almost people. I wish we had. I wish we were recording with film like they do in like the ESPN poker tournaments, where you see what cards they had. Because I almost <laughs> bluffed him out of his mind last night. It was. I mean, listen. It, here's what. Here's what I've told the guys. Yeah. You know, they were asking me after, like, "How'd you do that? How did you?" And I say, "Listen." When, when you're like me, the cards don't even matter. <laughs> you know, like really don't know you're, I'm playing the player. I'm not playing the cards. That's right. And I looked him across the table. He called my bluff, yeah. but barely, but barely, you know, I watched rounders right before it came. So yeah, I should get my poker. Mind yeah, exactly. Out. Got in, got in the headspace. I like that. <laughs> well, Brady has a new album out called tried and true came out in March. You're out touring it right now, right? That's true. Mm. Yeah. Just finished a 20 city tour West coast, Midwest. Wow. And, and uh, and then you take a week off in Montana. Yeah, oh, the only way to rejuvenate, honestly. <laughs> Beautiful. I needed it. Um, we, uh, we, we, you know, invited Brady up here with absolutely no agenda. Yeah. And then we th- said, hey, let's, let's make him sing for us. Yeah. Somewhere inside of Brady is Ray Charles. Like, I know he's just this, like, chiseled, jaw-boned, like, square-chinned, like, very, very, very 
Western European definitions of beauty. Like he fits the mold. Of- can I? Can I just say real quick, prop? This is the weirdest compliment ever. Yes. Like all of us are like, is this a compliment? This like is definitely a-, a compliment. Brady is the exact picture of like definitions of beauty that none oh of us goodness. can meet. Right. Okay. But okay. inside receive, of that, so he that, is yeah. he is phenomenally white, gorgeous. Right. Okay. But. That boy sing. That boy sing like Ray Charles is his hey, daddy. Listen. So let me let me. The boy got soul. That's all I'm trying to say. You may know Brady from a number of things. Though. Yes, not just his brand new album. Here we go. Here we go. I, I didn't no. bring it up. Brady. Any baseball <laughs> fans out there? Yeah, come we on. We just now. talked about that. Brady and I had had a good conversation about collegiate baseball That's yesterday. Right. You, you know? played uh, baseball for the University of Arkansas, right? That's true. Razorbacks. Did you play professionally? I did three years in the St. Louis Cardinals organization. Yeah. Yeah. See. Miners. See. Look at that. Yeah. Anything else you might be known for? Um, I can't think of it. I can't. I mean, professional baseball player, uh, singer, songwriter. Hey, that's a, a really. I'm a triplet. There it is. That's, that's it. That, Are you that for real a triplet? For real. I didn't know that. They, but, they don't look like me. Though. If 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 I'm if I'm writing down the qualities of you know a, an attractive male. Yeah. A yes. pro- professional that, baseball I, I, player, that's sensitive singer, songwriter. If I was like trying to the pinnacle of bachelor. If I was trying to cast a show of the most eligible bachelors. Show. <laughs> Brady, you might have remember you might remember a couple of seasons ago on The Bachelorette. Brady was one of the contestants. Yeah, definitely my proudest moment ever. <laughs> okay, th- this is a literally what I want every podcast. Yeah. In here. Yeah. I, I, I have know. a new album out. Leave that alone. <laughs> oh this is why it was so long ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. How many, how many seasons was it ago? I think it was two. The, okay. the new one actually just started. Okay. The new season. Yeah, so that's why we had him on this week. It's timely. It's the launch of The Bachelorette. <laughs> yeah. Let's have a former contestant on. I, I who happens to have an album out. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't. I haven't. I, I'm not. I, I don't watch the show. Not out of any. I just you know. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. But how far did you make it in the in the? Series? That's a tricky. That's a tricky question to answer because. If you this remember, is old news to a lot of people. It was oh, un- yeah. This was an unprecedented situation. There was yeah. there were two bachelorettes in my season. Two, Britt and Caitlin. Okay, Caitlin Bristow ended up being the one who went throughout the whole season. But on the first night, when us twenty five guys showed up and. When it's the craziness that is the yeah. Bachelor world, we had to actually vote off one of the girls. And the girl that I came to meet, uh, who actually had mutual friends with, sort of the, the backstory not many people know, Yeah, she was voted off at about 3 a.m. Oh, and I man. had to figure out at that point whether I wanted to stay on the show or if I wanted to even do it. Because, I mean, listen, that show's crazy, right? Yeah. We, yeah. we know. If you watch a show, you you like... It, I, why why would I ever do a show like that? Yeah. I was asking myself that question yeah. the whole time. And when she got voted off, I just thought, well, I, I can't stay on this and, and be un, untrue to sort of yeah, authentic yeah. to why I came in the first place. So yeah. I decided to actually leave the show in the first night's rose ceremony, go track her down. and So he ended up dating the bachelorette that yeah. got voted off yeah. and he left the show to go chase the girl. And so they showed, they showed our story throughout. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. So you win. Like that's kind of a win. That, I was the, say. the point of the show is to find yeah. that connection. Yeah. And he found it and pursued her. And then they I broke up a few months later. A couple months. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, seasons change. Exactly. Change. But uh, look, man, you were able to like show how to do the show with like dignity. You know, I mean, that's totally that's something. It, with integrity. Yeah. Integrity. So yeah. I'm thinking, I'm thinking you probably got a lot of material. From that journey, there, 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 may, there may be a couple songs on this new record. I like oh, it. Oh, nice. Okay. I like it. Well, the Montana thing. I mean, every night there's a fire pit, and you know you're here with a guitar. I mean, I figure we'd have an, a podcast fire pit moment. Yeah, man. And uh, maybe you could play us one of the songs. 
from your yeah, new album. I'm down. Cool. Yeah. Well, tell, tell us about the song you're going to sing. Honestly, a couple of years ago, I was on tour with a guy named John Mark McMillan, who I think y'all know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love John yeah. Mark. And we had this conversation. Which? Uh, Are you going to announce it? Oh, no, I can't talk about it yet. There might be some propaganda tra- John Mark McMillan news coming up. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So we were in the we were in the back of the the van on tour, and we were talking about some of the greats, Dylan and and Johnny Cash. And yeah. We had this conversation about you know he he says this Bruce Springsteen quote that's a, sort of a lyric, kind of a paraphrased paraphrased lyric in one of his songs. It says, um, "If the thing that you do to survive kills the very thing that keeps you alive, then fear is a powerful thing." And I think as an indie artist, as uh, you know, Prop gets this in the world of music and, and, and doing something you love, oftentimes there is this clash between surviving, putting food on the table, and trying to keep the thing that makes you tick, keep it, keep it alive. Yeah. Mm. And, um, and so in the midst of that wrestle through the last nine years of being a musician, I, I, feel, I felt like I had to write a song about it. Yeah. It's called Bleed. And it's sort of this uh, journey that was inspired by um, a Johnny Cash quote. They, in, in one of his songs, it says, without love, I'm half human. Without love, I'm all machine. Mm. And it's this idea of going through the motions to try to make, it, make a paycheck, but yet going, do I have the courage to leave that all behind and actually believe that what's in my heart and, and the reason behind why it ticks, that that can actually provide for me mm. in the world. Wow. Come on. Here it is. Y'all, he looks as good as he sounds. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> now we're back to a weird, off-handed, <laughs> very, yeah, politically correct uh, compliment. <laughs> All right. Here's Brady Tube singing Bleed. Well, I'm feeling like a poem. And this board you're playing on is littered all with cages for birds who've lost their song. Without love, I've lost the reason, and I cannot find the rhyme. I feel my heart still beating, but my blood don't feel alive. Without love, I'm half a man Without love, I'm all machine And it's awful hard to balance When you're caught out in between The wages of your living But a heart that helps you bleed Won't you blow up all these sails? Won't you guide my wounded ship? Lord, I'm lost out on these waters In the distance I've kept Without love I'm just an engine And I'm working overtime Oh, underneath this starlight Won't you take me with the tide? Without love, I'm half a man Without love, I'm all machine And it's awful hard to balance When you're caught out in between 
the wages of your living But a heart that helps you breathe time to hold back but I ain't got the time to believe cause it's so hard to balance when you cut out in between the wages of your living but all that helps you bleed that was Brady Toops. Go get his album. It's out now. Stay tuned. Up next, Jenny Yang joins us. We've had the privilege to bring you guys uh, excerpts or previews of some of the new shows that are launching through the Relevant Podcast Network. A few weeks ago, we introduced you to Sean and Equist podcast. Uh, last week, we introduced you to the Red Couch podcast yeah. of Propaganda and Alma. And uh, this week, we are launching uh, the third in our first kind of wave of shows. Mm-hmm. And that is The New Activist, which is in partnership with IJM, International Justice Mission, and us, and uh, is hosted by our very own Eddie Koffel. Yeah. It's, it, it, for people that want to hear the stories behind individuals that are really enacting insane world change. And, and, and the great thing about this new season that's uh, uh, dropping, actually, the, the first episode, if you downloaded this on Friday, just dropped yesterday, um, is that you hear people like Jenny Yang, who are on the front lines of something like the refugee crisis. You hear from uh, people that are helping, uh, you know, there's like a former cast member of the West Wing who's dedicated their life to helping veterans after kind of learning about stories on the show. People fighting homelessness, people fighting human trafficking, a wide spectrum of issues yeah. from a wide range of people. It, it's going to be cool interviews pr- coming to you every week. Yeah, I just want to be clear fighting homelessness, not fighting the homeless. Not fighting that'd the homeless. Be awful. That's, yeah. No, be Unless you're into that thing. But that'd be terrible. Yeah, this like, isn't, we, we aren't highlighting this. This isn't no. like bum fights, the video. No, it's terrible. <laughs> Uh, as a personal note, <laughs> sorry, Eddie, we've already botched the. Yeah, as you knew a, what you were getting into. Yes, you knew if I was going to say something inappropriate. No, but all I have to say is, yeah, uh, yeah, super excited I, yeah. about this. And you know, the first uh, these first uh, releases, it's been fun to watch. I don't, I don't, I'm not one to toot our own horn, except Do in it. text threads to the yeah. people at this table. Guys, we're running. The, You're three for the, three, guys. I, the, I, the iTunes charts right now. Uh, Red Couch has been in the top 200, been yeah. beating out Ol- Osteen. Sean has been topping. Now we got another one. At one point uh, earlier this week, we had when we released the, uh, we just released a teaser mm-hmm. for this. A little c- series preview kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, and we had three of the top 10 podcasts in the it's religion amazing. section in iTunes. You go. Yeah. Which is not including our own. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> because of the algorithm of yeah. iTunes is so weird. Like, yeah. it's not about how many downloads you have. It's like the new At, activity. That engagement. Yeah. It's the new activity. Yeah. Engagement. Yeah. But all I have yeah. to say is, um, so 
oh, that's that's what you're about to hear. But also, what would really help us out if you're if you're digging the new shows, um, or or if you're a longtime listener to our show, uh, if you want to show us some love, there's two things you can do. Uh, Check out the sponsors if there's products you like, you know, yeah. support them. But two, leave us this. And the other thing is, leave us reviews and yeah. share us in, in iTunes and really tell helps. other people. It makes a huge difference. So uh, if people like it, check it out. But yeah, super excited. New Activist episode one. If you're listening to this, that means the new episode just released. So yeah. check it out. On a, on a, on a personal note, uh, with IJM, um, they, they what they do, and I'm so glad you guys took this on because um, there's there's a lot of like organizations that work in justice issues that are much more about awareness, which yeah. is important. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you need somebody to just shine a spotlight and say, hey guys, this is happening. Yeah. But that don't necessarily mean that that organization got like clandestine spies yeah. in other countries. Yeah. And what I love about IJM, they can't, for the nature of putting their people in danger, like they can't like uh, uh, uh broadcast and advertise like the fullness of what they're doing because they're actually like yeah. changing the world right now yeah. so just this the the fearlessness like of the of their staff of the people they work with and how they like have chosen to take like the quiet route to just yeah. like like we're like we're quietly fixing the planet and, and, you know and, what I'm saying? And and some like of the Brian carpenter yeah 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 exactly. totally <laughs> and like the you know i got a chance to look you know in the last few weeks like helping with Put some of the logistics to go look at the guest list of people and the issues that yeah. are being tackled in the upcoming uh, uh, season. It's people are going to really dig this show. Well, here lot. is your very first experience, uh, an excerpt of the debut episode of the new season of The New Activist with our very own Eddie Koffeltz and Jimmy Yang. At IJM, we spend a lot of time wrapping our minds around the scope of slavery and kind of the, the causes of slavery. Like, why are there so many slaves? Why are there more slaves at now, now than at any point in human history? And I'm curious, as you think and are likely one of the world's foremost experts on the refugee crisis, um, I know you could trace geopolitical things that happen, but I'm wondering... Is there something larger happening in our world that is making this happen? Yeah. So um, the UN actually um, does a, a state of affairs report every summer where they start to detail some of the numbers and some of the ongoing facts around displacement. And uh, one of the reports actually mentioned there's three basic reasons why the displacement crisis is the greatest we've seen since World War II. Uh, the first being that rep the conflicts are actually happening more frequently. And so in many areas of the world, uh, they're happening um, more accelerated, I guess. So in, in more communities, there's more conflict. Um, but what they also found is that a lot of these conflicts are happening for protracted periods of time. So Syria is just one example of this, where, again, we thought that the conflict was probably going to last maybe two to three years, um, but now it's it's extending into um, it's extending now into its sixth year. And so, um, but the third point is that the there's no solutions that are being found to to actually have peace in some of these situations. So, in Syria, it's a political situation that needs a political solution, um, and yet the UN and you know the US and regional governments, Russia, 
they all just cannot come to agreement in terms of what needs to happen in Syria. So again, it's just becoming protracted and protracted. Um, but you see this, this situation all across the world. And even in the U.S., a lot of the traffic, trafficking victims in the U.S. are actually undocumented immigrants because they know that they can exploit them because they, they won't report what's happening to them to authorities because they're going to be in fear of being deported from our country. Mm. So th- so forced displacement and trafficking are really tied together. And oftentimes you have to address both in order to really alleviate some of the, the, the root causes of some of this injustice. How would you define activism? Yeah, I think activism, I actually talk about the four A's of activism. Uh, The first A being apathy, um, the second A being awareness, the third A being action, and the fourth A being advocacy. And what I always say is that people, wherever you are on the spectrum on anything that you care about, you should always be going towards advocacy. And so if you're apathetic about something and you want to become more aware of something, um, you know, learn about the issue, read about it and get studied up on the things that you care about. But if you're aware of something and you know you just are stuck there, then really think about doing something action related to to get you out of your awareness um, thinking or mode. And so you know whether or not it's volunteering with a local organization or whether it's writing a letter to your congressman, um, you know take action to actually um, build upon your awareness. But then oftentimes action is confined to you know, serving the the individual needs of our neighbors or even raising money and things like that. But I feel like ultimately advocacy is really, really important because we should not just care about an individual's needs um, at that level, but we should also care about the systems and structures in which the individual lives. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. had this amazing quote in a letter from the Birmingham jail in which he said, we're all called to be the good Samaritan, but that should only be an initial act. One day when we're walking down the Jericho Road and we see one person beat up along the side of the road and then another person beat up along the side of the road and someone else beat up along the side of the road, we have to ask, what is wrong with the Jericho Road? So compassion is more than flinging a coin to a beggar. It requires that an edifice which requires restructuring uh, needs to be engaged as well. And so I think for us to look at our systems and our laws and our policies to actually work with our government to ensuring that whatever laws they consider passing um, or the administration to consider um, supporting, that those are consistent with the values that we hold, I think it's incumbent upon us that we raise our voices to speak with those who oftentimes are marginalized. And um, it's not only the right thing to do, it's a biblical thing to do. It's also the, th- the thing that I think can lead to real flourishing in our, in our communities. Um, so activism, I think, really is us using the, all of the gifts that we have been given to speak up for those who are on the margins. I am aware that someone is probably um, sitting on a subway wanting, yeah. like, like hearing you talk about refugees, hearing you talk about the scope of the problem and the ability and the hope that there is and the work that um, World Relief is doing and that you're involved in. And I mean, they're just like their bell is rung and it's time for them to do something. Mm -hmm. Um, But pretty immediately it can feel like the weight and bigness of all of this can come crashing down because it is just a, a monstrous conversation. And how does an actual single person do anything to actually be helpful? Um, what, what do you say to that? What do you say to that person? Yeah. 
Well, I think, um, you know, you are not called to do everything, but you are called to do one thing. And it's up to you to determine what that one thing is. And, you know, you have to determine that one thing based on what your giftings and your skills are. And you can't be like, you know, this televangelist or or like a superstar activist or whatever mm. um if that's not how you are are gifted and if that's not how you're shaped um and so if you're for example uh, an a, an artist and you really like painting and drawing um then you know consider painting something that compels you about about an uh, issue of injustice or use your paintings to draw attention to an issue or sell your paintings and use that money to give to a local nonprofit organization. And there's a lot of things I think you can do as an, as an artist. Um, if you're a mom and you stay at home with your kids and you're homeschooling your kids, you know, use that opportunity to teach your kids about what's happening in the world, have a conversation with them and influence the next generation of, of leaders. Um, take them to see, you know, art exhibits or museums or concerts that will, or watch documentaries with your kids about some areas of injustice happening around the world and have a conversation with them, shape their thinking on this. So I think moms especially have an incredible role to influence the next generation's thinking around issues of justice. Or if you are someone who works for a company and a business and you know that your company or business donates a percentage of its profits to people who are on the margins in your community, then you know, speak up to, to the people making those decisions and actually see if you can donate instead of 1%, like 2% of your company's profits to something that you care about and get speakers in to talk to your company about things that you care about um, and just, you know, get read up on some of these issues. And I think it is really easy to be overwhelmed by so much of what we read in the news, but I think it really lies with what you feel the most passionate about. And, you know, whether or not it's here locally in your community or whether it's happening around the world, those are all things that, you know, you can only decide for yourself. But I do think if you start doing something small and doing something at the level that you're comfortable with and then seeing how that goes and then going on to the next thing, I think that's a good way to start. But it's really hard to start when you feel like you have a hundred things you want to do. Um, but I think it is important to start small and to start with the things that you already have in your community or in your experience or your gifting um, and then use those things to really engage on the things that that you care about that was a new activist hey go over to itunes and or wherever you subscribe to podcasts and hit subscribe and leave a review yes, if you liked what please you heard do. Stay tuned up next. Feedback. listening to but i hope the music of this show uh has been up to our usual standards <laughs> i hope chandler isn't playing some weird like dream poppy 
Atmos- he just basically like made beats and this is like his way to de- show his demo. All right, it's time for your feedback. Guess what? We don't have internet. So uh, we have no idea what your feedback is. We assume it's all positive. So in lieu of that, I will uh, give you feedback that Prop gave me from sharing a cabin with me last night. Jesse, your night terrors frightened me. <laughs> Jesse, you're you're you should really see someone about that snoring because it sounds like you're screaming. I mean, I'm there assuming were, he's another night terror. There were moments that I thought I'll take my chances in the wild. It's <laughs> like <laughs> so maybe I'll just go sleep outside. And Jesse, the, apparently no. a bear is going to be much more, much less frightening. Jesse, than whatever Jesse's no. going through right now. Jesse, no, I don't want to make a sweet fort with you and sleep in there tonight. <laughs> Jesse, no, please don't wake me up. There's no one trying to break into the cabin. Jesse, there is not a horse in the window. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, what if that horse followed you to the cabin? That's what my concern was. The prop knows all about it from a late night. Jesse. The cabin is not haunted. Please stop <laughs> claiming it is. So anyway, I could go. Jesse, on, you have your was, own bed, bro. Anyway, you have that's your own feedback. Bed. That was feedback. Thanks to everyone, and by everyone I mean prop for making me aware of it all. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for last week's feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Um. Okay. Well, we've had some wild nature encounters, mm-hmm. and the week's not even halfway done. Uh, we want to know for this week's question of the week some of your craziest nature experiences or encounters with the wild. Um, you know, a lot of times when city people get out in the, into nature, it doesn't always go according to plan. Yeah. So we want to know city your, slickers, your yeah. best stories. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your stories on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Many thanks to today's sponsors for making this special Montana episode uh, possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, you can go over to movementwatches.com slash relevant to get 15% off your first purchase. That's mvmtwatches.com slash relevant. And when you go to HelloFresh, uh, use offer code relevant30 to get 30 bucks off your first week when you subscribe. Yeah. It, you'll enjoy it. Uh, thanks to our guests uh, for joining us this week. Remember, Damon Lindelof's uh, the series finale of The Leftovers uh, is uh, airing soon on HBO. Make sure to check that out. You can also read the feature with him that is in the uh, last issue of Relevant. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Brady Toops for being a trooper and uh, uh, a trooper, uh, being a trooper uh, and, and singing a song for us when he's on vacation. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, make sure to go check out his new album. It's out now and uh, he's touring. Mm-hmm. So go see him. And uh, thanks to Jenny Yang for joining Eddie yeah. on the new activist as yeah. well. Uh, go check out their debut episode and subscribe wherever you engage with podcasts. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap it up. We did it. We, we did it. We did the special Montana episode. Now yeah. I'm going to go ride a motorcycle and yeah. deliver this thing yeah, I'll say God to speed. the internet. Godspeed, sir. Hopefully, hopefully we make it. <laughs> on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I am Propaganda. Hopefully, we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Where seldom is heard a discouraging word And the skies are not cloudy all day Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. How often at night when the heavens are bright 
with a light from the glittering stars. Have I stood there amazed and asked as I gaze if their glory exceeds that of ours? They didn't even spice it. They just cut it over and a bunch of pepperoni sticks fell out.